Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus exhorted us to go and make disciples of all nations. All disciples of Jesus Christ are Christians, but regrettably, few Christians ever become genuine disciples of Jesus Christ. Interestingly, Jesus did not tell us to go and make Christians or even to go and make churches, but to make disciplined followers of him that love him and obey him in every aspect of their lives. Let's open our Bible now and learn the difference between being a Christian and being a disciple of Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Friday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus. Hopefully you had a just a merry, you know, joyful and Christ filled Christmas. Just, uh, you know, hopefully it's just been a time where you've just really been reflecting on Jesus. Hopefully you're on the, the journey as a wise man or wise woman to find Jesus in a new and deeper and more intimate way, right? The, uh, the purpose of our lives is to go deeper into Jesus Christ, our Lord, to have a, a deeper, more intimate, more obedient relationship with Jesus. And in as much as we do that, right, in as much as we pursue Jesus and we're more devoted to him, we'll come to know him more deeply and intimately. We'll come to desire him more, right? We'll come to want to be like him more and more. And, uh, it's just the meaning of life. And when that starts to kick in, when you start having a desire to be more like Jesus, right, Father Rick, the more, uh, just the more exciting Christianity, you know, really becomes to you. So thank you, Lord Jesus. So I was, uh, we finished the Christmas teachings last time. And so I've been seeking the Lord on where to go now for about the last, uh, yeah, like six days. Um, and I didn't have a lot of direction and we were doing Bible study with myself and uh, my wife and my two daughters, Kristen and Lauren and my son-in-law, Nathan. Nathan is always, you know, he's just he's just a fine young man. I mean, he's not that young. I think he's 31 now. Right. Um, but, you know, he just asked me how I was doing. And I told him I was, you know, trying to be led and see where the Lord was leading for the next the next teachings or the next book. And he had asked for uh, he said, you know, is it possible that, that you guys could maybe do, you know, uh, a series of teachings on discipleship? And, and I had considered that because, as you know, that at Kingdom Discipleship, we normally do only expository teaching and preaching, meaning, you know, we'll teach through a book of the Bible verse by verse by verse by verse, or we'll teach through a particular account verse by verse by verse by verse. So I've only done one topical teaching in what is, I think, 264 teachings or something. Um, and interesting enough, that one topical teaching, uh, what is a Christian? How do you become a Christian? You know, was, uh, you know, people have really, you know, they enjoyed that. And so normally we don't do topical teachings, but the, the nature of this series will have to be topical because the topic is, is about discipleship and how you can become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And today's teaching is going to be on the difference between a Christian and a disciple of Jesus Christ, because they're not the same thing. So today we're going to go through the scriptures and we're going to talk about what is the difference between a Christian and a disciple of Jesus. 
And then in upcoming teachings, we're going to talk about how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. What, you know, what are the principles of discipleship? how to live as a disciple, and we're going to go through the scriptures and we're going to outline different aspects of discipleship, how to grow as a disciple, um, and just walk as a disciple of Jesus. Um, and so thank you, Lord Jesus. It's, uh, you know, it's just, it's been, uh, you know, it, it's really been a, you know, a, a circumspect and just a thoughtful time for me the last few days. I, I had learned on, um, on Wednesday that when I became a new Christian and, you know, I was living in Dallas and, and the Lord had sent me out to a church about 45 minutes away in, in Euless, Texas. And, uh, and my first pastor, his name, uh, was Doug White and he's my first spiritual father. And he had a, he had a, he had a tremendous amount of responsibility. He had walked with the Lord 50 years already. He was already like 65 and I was a new Christian and he made time for me um, in a way that really set an example for me. And on Wednesday, I learned that he went home to be with the Lord. And uh, obviously I was just, you know, I was very moved and I was sad and, you know, but it just made me remember, you know, one of the most important aspects of a disciple of a disciple. And that is that that you 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 get time from men and women of God that that have been walking with Jesus and are, and are growing in Jesus and maturing in Jesus. And one of the biggest things a disciple needs is to be discipled, right? By more mature men and women of God who are walking with Jesus. And, and as a new Christian, you know, he's a senior pastor and the church might have had 1,500, 2,000 members. I don't know. But, but right away, he was willing to give me two, three hours at a clip um, of sitting in his office and, and, and giving me his time. And I was a new Christian, a zealous Christian. Uh, the word impulsive, impertinent, wouldn't even, wouldn't even cover it. And, and in that time, as I look back on it again, I can see such wisdom, such understanding, because he would patiently listen to me. Doug would patiently listen to me go on and on and on and on and on. I'm telling you, for two and a half hours, and in between, he'd get a word in edgewise. But when we were done, if we were there three hours, he'd probably listen to me talk for two and a half hours and him 30 minutes. Where in reality, when I look back on it, I'd have been far better not saying a word and just listening to him for three hours. Um, but he gave me his time. And, uh, and the impact that that had on me is incalculable. That to have a, a Christian man that was you know, almost 40 years older than me, have just met me and yet be willing to give me substantial amounts of time a couple times a month when he's, he's busy, right? He's, he's, he's having to prepare. He's, you know, you know, being the senior pastor of a large church is, is, is a, is a big job. And generally very, very few people ever have an opportunity to meet with their senior pastor. He generally won't even do it oftentimes, regrettably. But this man, uh, Doug, would, would give me his time. And that made such an impression on me that in the last 25 years of me walking with Jesus, that's one of the things that I have been able to do well is to give men and women, to give them my time uh, in an example he set for me. And then, and then almost immediately, 
right? Within, I don't know, it could have been the first time I met him, he introduced me to, to, to the man that would be the, you know, my most prominent spiritual father. And his, his name is Rick Shields. And, uh, you know, and Rick is still now Rick's Rick's rolling up. He's he's well into his 80s now and uh, just a man of God. And, uh, you know, him and I have been talking the last few days because, uh, you know, brother Doug White um, was a father to both of us. He was a, uh, you know, just just a man of God that walked with Jesus, that had a zeal for Jesus, that had a focus for Jesus, but also had such a humility about him. He was so consistently unassuming and generally he's always the smartest guy in the room and so there's still so much of his character that I need to you know I need to grow in um but uh you know I'm thankful for his life his ministry uh he was around 90 years old when the Lord took him home so we lived a full life he served the Lord for golly uh, 75 years um so Jesus I thank you for Doug White, Lord, I thank you for his ministry. I thank you for the for the impact he had for the kingdom of God, for the Son of God, for the gospel of God, Father. I thank you for the countless thousands, if not millions, Lord, he's touched through the ministry you've given him, Lord. Father, I do pray that uh, that you would help me, Lord, just to to be a man more like him, Lord, as 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 what an example of what a disciple of Jesus Christ really is, Lord. And so I thank you for his life, Lord. I do celebrate his going home to be with you, Lord Jesus. I thank you just uh, just for the privilege it, it was to walk with this man and then that, to continue to meet him as the years went by, Lord. Father, I just thank you and I worship you, Lord. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for this new topic of discipleship. And, and Father, I ask you to help us one and all, Lord, Help us as Christians, those who know Jesus as our only Lord and Savior, to move on into a, a life of genuine discipleship, Father. I pray that one and all as Christians, that we would become genuine disciples of Jesus Christ, that we would become disciplined followers of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the word of God. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay, thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, so this first teaching now in this series, in this topical series, is going to be on what is the difference between a Christian and a disciple. Okay, so now what's interesting, and this is really important, because when I was speaking to Nathan and you know he was asking me about the, the discipleship process, what I told him was, well, the first thing I do, you know, personally, when I'm talking with with someone who comes to me and they tell me they're a Christian and they, you know, and they want to be discipled and they want to know about discipleship. The first thing is I, I do is to make sure that they really are a Christian. OK, um, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ until you have become a Christian. Okay, until you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, until you've put your full faith, confidence and trust in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul and deliverance from eternal hell. Okay, until you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
You cannot be a disciple of Jesus. Okay. So the first step is, is becoming a Christian. And regrettably, many, if not most people who call themselves Christians in this world may or may not be Christians. My daughter, my daughter, Kristen has an incredible testimony that, you know, she had heard me share the gospel with her from the time she was, you know, three years old. She had heard me share the gospel and pray for her. And, and since the time she was probably five years old, she had prayed to receive Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior dozens of times, right? But when she graduated college, what was that, you know, four years ago, you know, it, uh, you know, she, she just felt empty. She didn't find purpose in life. And she came to me and she was explaining these things. And I asked her questions. I said, honey, do you have a desire for Jesus? Do you, you know, do you love him? Do you, you know, do you want to know him? And, and she candidly and frankly, and just as, as, as honest as she could be said, no, dad, I, I really don't. And, and I said, well, sweetheart, you know, there's a very good chance you're not truly saved. And she didn't get offended because she knew as her father, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I want her to, to know Jesus. I want her to be a Christian. I want her to be saved. I want her to go to heaven. And then I want her to become a strong disciple of Jesus Christ. But she believed me when I said that. And although she she lived her whole life up to that point, 22 years, you know, believing that she was a Christian, believing in Jesus intellectually, right? Um, believing that Jesus was God and became a man, but but she had not genuinely received Christ. John 1.12 says, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those that believed in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. She had not genuinely received Jesus. Now she had prayed many a prayer, dozens of prayers to receive Jesus, but she had not prayed from a, a, a genuine heart. She had not prayed from an authentic heart. She had not prayed from a heart that knew that Jesus Christ was her only hope. She had not prayed from a heart knowing that she was hopeless, helpless, desperate, headed to hell, and only in Jesus could she be saved. Only in Jesus could she be delivered. And I asked her and I said, honey, do you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And she said, yes, I do, Dad. And my girl, you know, get emotional thinking about it. But my girl prayed when we prayed together and she received Christ as her Savior. And she used the words that I use, but she meant them like never before. When she prayed to receive Jesus this time, four years ago, it wasn't like the other two dozen times. She just wasn't puppeting words anymore. She genuinely desired Jesus. She wanted Jesus. She was desperate for Jesus, for the forgiveness of her sins, for the salvation of her soul, for deliverance for, from eternal hell, and also because she wanted Jesus right now in her life. She wanted Jesus not only to save her for eternity, but to save her right now. And you can almost see the new life. Come on, my girl. You can almost see the, you know, the new spiritual life come in her. And now she's been walking with Jesus and she's convicted by the Holy Spirit and she is a genuine Christian. So where we're going to start on this is that you may believe you've been a Christian your whole life, but you, you know, you want to examine yourself. So the first scripture we're going to go to today is 2 Corinthians 13, 5. And here Paul speaking to the Corinthians says, 
examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So if you're listening to this today and you, you know, you've believed you're a Christian your whole life, Paul tells us to examine ourselves. Again, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So remember, we're talking about the difference between a Christian and a disciple. And as I've already said, you cannot in any way, it's not possible to be a disciple of Jesus until you first have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can't be a disciple of Jesus if Jesus is not living in you. So Paul tells us to examine ourselves and to test ourselves because if you're a Christian today, then Jesus Christ is living in you. So I'm going to ask you today, do you have, are you experiencing the life of Jesus Christ in you? I'm going to ask you what I asked my daughter, Kristen. Do you have a desire for Jesus? Can you look inside yourself and see a, an earnest desire to at some level know Jesus, walk with Jesus, please Jesus, love Jesus? Do you see any desire to talk about Jesus? Now, listen. I'm not talking about, you know, someone who now is a mature disciple that's walked with Jesus 25 years, okay? What I'm saying is if you're a Christian today, you ought to be you ought to be able to look inside your own heart. Right, Josie? I was talking to Josie about this yesterday about, you know, examining yourself. She had a a new scripture on her on her phone. Um and and as Christians, we ought to consistently be examining ourselves and our walk with Jesus. But before we do any of that, you know, you want to examine yourself and see if you really are a Christian as you claim to be. Because if you're a Christian, and, and even a new Christian or even a baby Christian, there ought to be some desire in your heart. There ought to be some pulling toward Jesus. There ought to be some conviction over your sin. When you do things wrong, that ought, to, that ought to bother you a little bit, okay? There ought to be some noticeable desire for Jesus. There ought to be a noticeable desire for the Bible. There ought to be some type of, of noticeable desire um, for you to be with other Christians, to receive from other Christians. When I sat with Brother Doug, or when I would sit with Father Rick, sit with Father Rick Shields, or a after a year or so, Brother Doug sent me to another spiritual father. His name was Tommy Briggs, and Tommy Briggs went on to meet with me for like seven years. Um, and I've been so blessed to have these men of God, you know, these these way older than me men of God. And I'm not young. I'm, I'm almost 53 years old, but these men are all rolling up 80s, right? And, and, and Brother Doug White went home to be with the Lord at, at around 90, I believe. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I so looked forward to it. I couldn't get enough time around these men. I was certainly saved because these kind of men, they, 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 all they want to talk about is Jesus. And if you're not genuinely saved, you're not going to really want to be around people that are consistently talking about Jesus. So the first aspect of this examination to see if you really are a Christian 
is do you desire to be around other Christians? Do you desire to be around disciples of Jesus? Do you desire to be around people who are consistently talking about Jesus, who have a, a love for Jesus and a zeal for Jesus? Because if you don't desire to be around Jesus, or if you're just uncomfortable, or if it bothers you. Now, again, I'm not talking about personality here, but if you can't sense any desire for Jesus in your heart, if you don't really sense any conviction over your sin, if you can be disobedient to the scriptures and the word of God, as all of us are, consistently, daily, I'm having to repent. But it's because Jesus is living in me, I do experience and even feel, Jason, right, that, that conviction over my sin. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? So do that examination now and see if you can notice in yourself any conviction over your sin, any desire for Jesus, a desire to please him, a desire to be with other brothers and sisters in Christ, a desire to encourage other people to know Jesus and walk with Jesus and be disciples of Jesus, okay? So from there, let's go now to John 5, verse 24, because we're going to talk about what is a Christian, okay? So once we're sure that we're Christians, okay, and we are going to go through a prayer so that you can receive Christ if you're, if you're not sure, because a Christian now is also someone who, as they have received Jesus Christ as Savior, they've, re they've received spiritual life in Jesus. They've become spiritually alive. So actually, we'll go to, to John 3, verse 3 first. Okay? So a man comes to Jesus in John 3, and his name is Nicodemus, and he is, he is a uh, a, a very, very high up. He could be third or fourth in command of all the priesthood in all Jerusalem. So he has an extremely high position. And yet he humbly goes before Jesus and he says to him, it says he came, verse two, chapter three of John, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Verse three, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again, okay? So what it means to be born again, so Nicodemus says, you know, he doesn't understand, he, he, he sees all that Jesus is doing, he sees the miracles, he recognizes the, the power of the teaching of Jesus Christ, and he says, you know, I don't really understand, and Jesus says, unless you're born again, you've already been born physically, okay? You came from your mother's womb in a physical or natural birth. But Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you need to be born again, which is to say, you've already been born spirit, uh, physically, now you need to be born spiritually. You need to receive eternal life in Jesus Christ. You need to receive spiritual life. And so from there, we go to the most famous verse in the Bible, right? John 3, 16. And all of us have heard this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Okay. So when you receive Jesus Christ, you receive spiritual life, eternal life. You have a, a new birth. You become a new spiritually alive 
man or woman of God. If you go back to 2 Corinthians and you go to chapter 5 and you go to verse 17, okay, Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. When you're a Christian, you're a new creation. You receive spiritual life. You receive eternal life. The light comes on. Like I told you, when my daughter Kristen prayed and received Christ, and she genuinely meant it, she genuinely wanted Jesus, she really did become a Christian. She became a new creation. She had new desires. She wanted to please Jesus. She wanted to walk with Jesus. Now still, you know, 22 years of bad habits certainly didn't go away from her overnight. And her and I consistently confessed to each other just where we're not, we're not like Jesus. But we want to do that because we want to be more like Jesus. There is that absolute evidence living in us that we have eternal life, that we are a new creation. Okay, so again, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Okay, now turn to John chapter 5, verse 24. And in John 5, 24, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. You remember that scripture, Nathan? Uh, Nathan and I were talking about, I don't know what it was, a month, five weeks, six weeks ago, and I gave him this scripture to memorize, and he memorized it. Now hear these words from Jesus, right, Corinne? I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. You have crossed over from spiritual death, that, that is a place where people who don't have spiritual life, only hell awaits. You've crossed over when you've genuinely received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you today are trusting in Jesus, you recognize that you're relying in Jesus, you recognize that you're hopeless, helpless, desperate without Jesus, and you're literally clinging to Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, and deliverance and condemnation in eternal hell, right? Then you have crossed over from death to life, and you're a Christian today, okay? A Christian is someone who, again, has spiritual life. They've become a new creation, they're currently and actively trusting and relying in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of their sins, the salvation of their soul, and, and deliverance from eternal hell. They, they have received Christ as their Lord and Savior, genuinely received him. John 1.12 says, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. So I want to ask you now, are you sure you're a Christian? Because you might have heard all that and said, you know, I believe in Jesus, but I, I don't, man, remember Paul said to examine yourself. So when you examine yourself, do you see some kind of heart for Jesus, some kind of desire to please him, some kind of desire to help others 
know him? Do you see any actions in your life that reflect this? Because if you don't, there's a good possibility you may think you're a real Christian, but you're not a real Christian. And before we can go any farther in talking about what a disciple is and how to become a disciple after you become a Christian and how to grow as a disciple in Jesus Christ, this matter has to be settled. So I want to ask you today, are you sure that you are a Christian? Are you sure you're trusting in him and relying in him and clinging to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Or, you know, would you just simply say, you know, I do believe in Jesus, but I, I'm not sure that I'm trusting in him. And so what we can do now, Romans 10, 13 declares, promises that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You will receive eternal life. But as I said earlier, it's not the words that save us. My daughter, Kristen, had called on him dozens of times, had prayed and asked Jesus to come into her heart dozens of times, but yet did not have eternal life. And, and it was because the manner in which she called on Jesus was not genuine. It was not sincere. I mean, she figured, man, that whole thing seems pretty good. I certainly don't want to go to hell. So yeah, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. But it didn't come from a heart of genuine desperation. It didn't come from knowing that she really needed Jesus. It didn't come from a, a genuine desire of her knowing her hopelessness, her helplessness, her desperation, and her running to Jesus for the forgiveness of her sins and the salvation of her soul, as it did that day shortly after she graduated from college. And so if you're not sure today, go ahead and use the words that I use. We're going to call on Jesus together. But keep in mind, it is the genuineness, the sincerity, the authenticity of your heart that when you, when you go to Jesus and you call on him, that's all that matters. The Lord knows the difference if we're just puppeting words or if we're genuinely desiring to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So go ahead and just pray with me now. Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinful person. Lord, I know that I've done wrong. I know that I do wrong. And Lord Jesus, I know and I believe that I am hopeless and helpless without you. But Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I do believe that you came into this world and lived a perfect righteous life, even for me. And I believe that you died on that cross, a torturous death, even for me. And Lord Jesus, I believe you are alive and risen today. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart. I ask you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. I ask you to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Lord Jesus, it's in your name I pray, amen. So now, that's how you receive Jesus Christ. John 1, 12, yet to all who received him. And I'll say again, it's, it's not the, the specific words, it's the heart behind the words. And so if you prayed that prayer just now, and you genuinely meant it, you sincerely meant it, you genuinely believe Jesus did come into this world, that, 
that, that God, the son, the son of God, Jesus Christ came into this world and you believe that he did live that life for you and died that death on the cross for you. And you believe he's alive and risen today. And out of that heart, you called on him. God has given his word that you will be saved and you will, you will not, you're now, you have received eternal life. Now you've become a child of God the Father. God the Father is your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and Master and King. God the Holy Spirit is your guide, your counselor, your comforter. You're a Christian. You have spiritual life. You have eternal life living in you now. And now you can go from being a Christian to what Jesus has really called us to be, and that is a disciple of Jesus Christ. So again, before we can move on to discipleship, we have to have this, this matter settled of are you truly a Christian today? Now with that settled, we're going to go on to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about what is a disciple of Jesus Christ. All disciples of Jesus are Christians. Regrettably, very few Christians around the world ever become disciples of Jesus Christ. Now think of that. Every disciple of Jesus Christ is a Christian. If you're a disciple today, you, you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have received eternal life, spiritual life. You have been born again spiritually. You have passed from spiritual death to spiritual life. You are a new creation. Jesus is living inside of you. God the Father is your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and Master and King. And God the Holy Spirit is your guide, your counselor, and your comforter. You have relationship with the triune God. If you're a, a genuine disciple today, you could not be any kind of disciple until you first become a Christian. So again, all real disciples of Jesus Christ are Christians. But very few Christians ever become genuine and real followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. So what am I saying? There are many out there, undoubtedly countless millions, that are Christians. They are saved. They have genuinely received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They're genuine Christians. They're going to heaven when they die. Their sins are forgiven. They're trusting in Christ. But yet they've stayed in that position. They've never moved on from that to be a true and genuine disciple of Jesus Christ. And now this is important because Jesus did not tell us to go into the world and make Christians. Now I'll say again, you cannot be a disciple before you become a Christian. But if you turn to Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to begin there on, on Jesus's command to us and what he said. So look at Matthew 28 and we're going to start in verse 18, Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now I'm going to read that again because it's, 
It's extremely important, okay? You want to notice Jesus didn't say go and make Christians. And as I already said, you cannot be a disciple until you're a genuine Christian. Notice Jesus didn't say go and make churches, okay? We have, you know, we have all kinds of churches all over the world, and church is a good thing. We ought to be involved in a good Bible-based church. We ought to be in, in Christian community. But Jesus didn't say go and make churches. There's a, there's a, there's a well-known quote out of there, uh, a well-known quote out there. And forgive me, I don't know who said it. But it says basically that when you make disciples, you always get church. But when you make churches, you rarely get disciples. Let that, think, let that sink in. When you, when you are truly looking to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and make disciples of Jesus Christ, make disciplined followers of Jesus, teaching them to obey the entire word of God and to repent where they fall short. When you make disciples of Jesus Christ, you'll always get the church thrown in as a bonus, right? Genuine disciples do want to be involved in church, want to be in community. Now, again, you may have a house church. You may have a, a, a mega church, okay? Where two or more are gathered in Jesus, where we're having church, right? When two or more come together and you're discussing the word of God and the son of God and you're teaching the word of God and you're praising and worshiping Jesus, you, you have church, okay? And so again, I exhort everyone, be a part of a good, solid Bible-based church, whether it be a house church a mega church, but it needs to be a church that's active in discipleship. And there are very, very few churches. You know, uh, the body of Christ today, the church at large around the world, has badly failed in following this command. We have failed. I have failed. We have failed in making disciples. We've made Christians. We've gone out of our way to, to, to articulate the gospel to, to talk about the fact that our God, Jesus, became a human man for us, lived a righteous life we could never live on our behalf, died a torturous death that, you know, on our behalf that we should have died and was raised from the dead. And we're making Christians. But regrettably, we, we have not made disciples. It's been a failure. And Father, I ask you to forgive us and help us, Holy Spirit, to begin to genuinely make disciples. I'm going to read this again, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Quite a statement, right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we're not commanded to make Christians. We're not commanded to make churches. But you have to be a Christian before you can be a disciple. And if you'll be a genuine disciple of Jesus Christ, certainly church will come with it. But the vast majority of the people in church all over the world today have not yet crossed the line from Christian to, to a disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple of Jesus Christ is a disciplined follower of Jesus. We actually get our English word discipline from the Latin word disciple. Okay, so a disciple of Jesus Christ now 
is certainly a Christian. They've already become, they've, re, they've genuinely received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they actually have a disciplined daily lifestyle of following Jesus Christ, okay? They're walking with Jesus. They're spending time with Jesus. They're, they're spending time in their Bible. They're spending time in the Word of God. And I'm just going to share a, a few scriptures here, and, and, and I'm going to have to have a part two to this, actually, because I think it's already been rolling 40 minutes. Um, so I'm actually going to tie it up here in the next five minutes, and I'm going to have to have a part two on uh, the difference between a, a Christian and a disciple. But if you'll look at, you know, we just read Matthew 18, 18 to 20. Um, but if you go to Matthew 4 and you look at verse 19, okay? Matthew 4, 19, Jesus says, if you, we'll start in 18, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Verse 19, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20, at once, look at those words, at once they left their nets and followed him, okay? A disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who has a daily lifestyle of following Jesus. They have a daily lifestyle of wanting to be like Jesus, of wanting to please Jesus, of wanting to obey Jesus. You remember what we just read in Matthew 18? I'm sorry, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. A disciple of Jesus Christ is an apprentice of Jesus. A disciple is someone who's trying to be like Jesus in every manner and in every aspect of their lives, they have a genuine desire to be like Jesus. By no means are they perfect, but they desire to emulate Jesus, okay? Turn to Ephesians 5, and we're going to wrap this up here. Turn to Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. All right. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Okay. A disciple is someone who's trying to imitate God the Son, Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus is God. A disciple is someone who is consistently examining the life of Jesus. Ephesians 5. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Verse 2. And live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So just as Christ loved us, a disciple is someone who's trying to love, to imitate the love of Christ, to imitate the compassion of Christ, to imitate 
the forgiveness of Christ, but also to, to imitate the holiness of Christ, to imitate the zeal of Christ. He wants, he or she wants to have the same desires of Christ. Okay. And now first Corinthians um, 11 and let's go to verse one. All right. First Corinthians 11, one. All right. The apostle Paul says this, look at first Corinthians 11, one. 11.1. Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You see that, Esther? You see that, Nathan? Lauren, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Okay? A disciple of Jesus Christ is studying the word of God. A disciple of Jesus Christ knows who this Apostle Paul is, who wrote half the New Testament. There's never been a human being in the world that was the disciple that the Apostle Paul was. The Apostle Paul is the epitome of what a disciple of Jesus Christ looks like. It's, it's, it's remarkable that he would make this statement. I, I don't believe I'm in a place where I could make this statement. I believe a brother Doug White could certainly make this statement. He wouldn't, but he could make this statement. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul so zealously was following after Christ that you could look at Paul. The scripture is actually telling us to look at Paul and live as he did, do as he did, because he's following Christ. So we have an actual example in the Bible of what the epitome of a disciple of Jesus Christ looks like. Look at this statement with Paul, and I'll end here. Look what he says, and again, it's, it's remarkable that he could say this. I don't know another man or, or, or woman that's ever made a statement like this. Look what he says in, in Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9. He's speaking to the Philippians and he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Verse nine, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or received or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Wait a minute. Did he really say that, Father Rick? Did he just, hold up. Look what, look what Paul just said. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. The Holy Spirit led Paul to write that. The Holy Spirit, look what Paul just said. Whatever you've learned from me, whatever you've received from me, whatever you've heard from me, whatever you've seen in me, put it into practice. Have a lifestyle of doing what Paul did as our example of a disciple of Jesus Christ, and the peace of God will be with you as it was with Paul. So we're gonna, this is going to be a two-part teaching, and in the next teaching, we're going to go into some, some far deeper aspects on what a disciple of Jesus Christ is. We're going to get into some extremely heavy scriptures that Jesus mentioned on, on what a disciple is and, and some of the deep requirements of genuine biblical discipleship. But I'm excited. Thank you, Jesus. Um, 
Again, thank you, Lord. Thank you for leading my son-in-law, Nathan. Thank you for the elders, Tom and, and, and Jesse and Stephen being excited to do this. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Father, I pray that to all those who have listened to this, that, that, that are not sure that they're genuine Christians, Father, I pray that you would draw them unto you and that they would genuinely receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I pray, Father, they would cross over from death to life, that they'd become a new creation in Jesus Christ our Lord, that they would receive eternal life, spiritual life, they would become your children, Father, and that they would indeed be set for heaven when they die. Jesus, we worship you, we thank you, and we praise you for your mercy, your favor, and goodness on our lives. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now. Again, we ask for eyes that see Jesus, ears that hear him, and hearts to obey him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.